get the show on the road. We got to get home, guys. I know. We're going. Thank you all for <laughs> indulging us and, and letting us get through the Housing Authority. We'll now reconvene the City Council's successor agency meeting of December 19th. And uh, pledge. let me ask Adele Ruxton if she would lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, please. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Adele. Thank Madam Clerk, roll call, please. Councilmember Roach? Here. Councilmember Hansen? Present. Councilmember Mullaney? Here. Mayor Pro Tem Peabody? Here. Mayor Mertens? Present. Uh, any change to the agenda, or is there an approval of the final agenda? Move to approve final agenda. Second. Second. Moved and seconded without objection. Final agenda is approved. I'll get this one right. Uh, approval of the meeting minutes for December 5th special meeting and December 5th regular meeting of the City Council. Move to approve. Second. Moved and seconded. Aye. Without objection. Minutes are approved. Public comments. This is the time when persons wishing to address the Council should fill out a blue card and request uh, in advance and hand it to the city clerk. Again, I'm going to try to shorten this. We ask that you try to keep your presentations to three minutes. You're encouraged to provide uh, written documentation uh, to the council 24 hours in advance. Uh, so that gives us an opportunity to better understand some of the points that you might try to make. Um, under the Brown Act, the council will not uh, take action or discuss matters that are raised on the public comment portion of the agenda which are not listed on the agenda. Council members may refer such matters to staff for factual information or to be placed on subsequent agendas for consideration. Okay, I have two comment forms. Mr. Denny Booth. Mayor Mertens, City Council members, City staff, residents, and visitors. My name is Denny Booth, a resident of Indian Wells for more than 15 years. I'm going to spend my three minutes talking about the Indian Wells Golf Resort, which the city over the years has contracted with companies experienced in managing combined golf and restaurant operations. I will concentrate on the restaurant portion of the operation as golf is well-managed and profitable. Troon Golf is the present company contracted to manage the resort. This year they had to send an employee to serve as the general manager of the Indian Wells Golf Resort as the person in that position was hired away by PGA West. The individual selected to become the new general manager was Steve Rosen, who started on the job April 15, 2013. Having had some contact with him and observing what his staff and he have done correcting restaurant problems are well on their way to reaching the goal of making it uh, profitable. And with its magnificent mountain views, making it a fine place for people to dine. A key date was December 5th, 2013, when the pavilion 
a 5,600-square-foot climate-controlled facility for conventions, wedding receptions, etc., seating up to 500 people, was given a shakedown cruise, which I attended. Before I comment on my opinion why this has been a major accomplishment and why I think it will be a success, I want to share some things with you that I found out about Steve Rosen that evening from his best friend. Very few people, including city council members, know that Steve graduated first in his class at the Culinary Institute of America. Uh, they don't know that he is a certified chef. He is a certified food and beverage manager, and he has an AOS degree. Seeing a picture in his office, I questioned him about it and found out that he lived and worked in at least one foreign country. In conclusion, very early in his tenure as GM, the city council gave Steve two assignments. One was to prepare a budget for the fiscal year July 2013 through June 2014, which was easy. And the hard part, to prepare a five-year plan to make the IW Club restaurant profitable. And as a side, as now named, the View Grill and Bar. The five-year plan, including remodeling the restaurants to increase the number of people that could be seated and served, and the expenditure of $2.5 million to build the climate-controlled pavilion next to the Fairway Grill across the wash by December 5th, 2013 to be put in operation in July 2014 for the tourist season. The City Council reviewed the five-year plan and gave final approval of it in July 2013. And five months later, on December 5th, mission accomplished. In my opinion, the pavilion with its unmatched southern view of the mountains and the night sky, would become a most, most sought-after venue solving our revenue problems for years to come. And an in-place for June brides, making it a requirement to reserve it well in advance of their weddings. Denny, you about done? Your time is... May I have 30 seconds to conclude? Please. In my opinion, Steve and his staff have done an excellent job to date with the restaurant, and it will only get better and better with a team effort led by a well-qualified visionary GM, Steve Rosen. They should be commended accordingly. Demosthenes James Booth. Thank you, Danny. Dana Reed. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the council. My name is Dana Reed. I'm a resident of the city of Indian Wells. I'm also a lawyer, but I'm not here in that capacity. I'm here as a citizen. And I'm delighted to hear from Denny that the uh, construction of the new pavilion uh, went well and is going to be something that we can all be proud of. 
Uh, two weeks ago, I received a city newsletter indicating that the city is going to be holding a uh, celebration, if you will, uh, to uh, honor the men and women that helped build that uh, facility and the contractors and, and uh, that uh, uh, starting the beginning of the year, uh, tickets will be available at City Hall uh, for those people who want to attend. The problem is the, uh, uh, the article indicated that in order to be eligible to buy a ticket to celebrate this event, you had to be a holder of a little plastic card that we all call the resident card or the homeowner card, or has various names. Uh, if you don't have one of those cards, you can't buy a ticket to go to the uh, grand opening, which I find very distressful. Uh, according to the census, which I looked up today, they've revised it for 2012, we have 5,126 residents in the city of Indian Wells. Obviously, all 5,000 of them can't go. Of course not. Of course, you have to limit the number. But why don't you allow all 5,126 residents of this city to wait in line and get in the queue and on an equal basis uh, determine whether they can attend this event or not. It's going to cost $10. You're going to have uh, speeches. You're going to have food. You're going to have drinks for sale. You're going to have music. You're going to have dancing. Why can't all 5,126 residents have an equal opportunity to attend this event? Uh, the only people that are not given the opportunity to uh, attend these, this event are a part of the 701, again, this is from the census figures, the 701 people out of this 5,126 who rent a property. And it's not even all 701, because if you're at Mountain View Villas or if it's you're in Indian Wells Village, you get to go. It's only the people that are renting from non-governmental services uh, that, uh, that, that aren't invited or allowed to attend. I think it's wrong. I asked you to change it. Apparently, you're not going to. I personally think uh, that this is not what the legislature had in mind when they uh, enacted the uh, celebration exemption to the Brown Act. My partners disagree. I suppose Mr. Deutsch disagrees as well. But I'll pass on that. But it's just wrong. It's morally wrong. And you should allow all the citizens of, of Indian Wells to have an equal opportunity to attend this event. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Reed. Um, that concludes public comments. That's all the cards we have. Any response to prior public comments? Uh, no response, but just a clarification. This is not a grand opening party that, that Mr. Reed just spoke about. This is a pavilion party, and the grand opening was the one that was December 5th. Thank you. All right, we'll move on to item 5A, Tennis Garden Expansion Update. I notice we have several people in the audience representing the Tennis Garden. Mr. Dick Oliphant. Mr. Mayor, and congratulations, Mr. Mayor, members of the council. I'm Dick Oliphant, and I'm the owner's representative in constructing the Indian Wells Tennis Garden project. Um, I was just moving that pick from one place to another. I didn't really use it. <laughs> we broke ground on this project at the end of the tournament on March 17th of this year. Uh, if you will recall, when the uh, final trophy was being awarded to the men's winners, 
uh, we gave a signal and started our equipment. As people filed out of the stadium and left the site, they saw an awful lot of heavy equipment running. That was our first start of construction. Uh, as of today, we're approximately 10 months into construction. And uh, the size of the project is, uh, it's pretty amazing that we're as far along as we are, considering the length of time that we've been working on it. But uh, we're going to make the final schedule. We'll be done. Um, our motto over there is uh, Larry the Cable Guy's motto, get her done. And that's what we're doing. Uh, I think that uh, one of the primary reasons why we're on schedule and why we are moving our project along so smoothly is because we're using a management technique called partnering. And when we first started this project, before we broke ground, we brought all interested parties together. That was all our trades, our management, our consultants, members of the city, members of the water district, members of the county, anybody that would touch this project we brought. And we talked to them about partnering. And the idea of partnering is to instill a commonness amongst everybody to get this job done and to build pride into it that, you know, you should be proud of the fact that you have an opportunity to work on such an ideal icon as this tennis stadium. And uh, everybody has bought into that. And we've been able to run our project without hitches where we have conflicts in most projects. We have no conflicts because our superintendents are there and our trades work with the superintendents and if there's a conflict, they don't go through somebody else's work to get theirs done. They stop, we solve the problem, and then we all move forward. And so we, we don't have hardly any uh, lost time on the job as a result of, of conflicts. So uh, we're feeling uh, pretty happy about the fact that uh, we are moving along. And uh, the, the reason that we are moving along, of course, is that we do have outstanding leadership in our superintendents out there. And uh, each one of them has a task that they're up to, and they're just doing a f fantastic job. But, of course, the primary reason why it's all going together is because we have an outstanding contracting firm, Watkins Landmark Construction. And I'm going to bring Jody Watkins up and have Jody uh, give you a, a project overview and uh, bring you up to speed where we're at. Jody? This is a uh, former mayor, I guess, is uh, what I call it now. And Mr. Mayor, council, um, councilman. Uh, so I'm fortunate enough, privileged enough to be the general contractor at Indian Wells Tennis Garden. Uh, we've been doing this uh, probably been on projects uh, recently for the last four years. I was on the original Stadium One in uh, 1998 to 2000, and always have just kept in touch with them. It was always, and still is, one of my favorite projects. Um, today, I'm just going to give you kind of a chronological slideshow, just to show you the progress, and hopefully, you kind of get get a feel of the type, you know, how significant, how large the scopes are. Um, Right now, if you were to go out there, it is literally like a large anthill. I mean, if people are crawling all over the place, and you have about 300 workers on site at any given time. So when it was presented to you, I think about a year ago, this is uh, the chart that uh, Gary Wiggle 
came up, walked you guys through, said, you know, want to put the second stadium right here. And something that Stephen Raymond hit on to, Raymond especially, is that the tennis garden never really had a grand entrance. You had the tunnel here. Um, you have a couple side entrances here. You can access over Warner Trail here. And you had a bit of a north entrance uh, for the VIP parking right there. This here is going to be, if you're there now, especially with the tin cone shade structure up, you can kind of get the magnitude off Washington of what Raymond had envisioned when he said, I really want to have a grand entrance to our facility. Um, that was, and it's something if you get a chance in the next uh, couple weeks, definitely drive by because it's all coming together right now and it's changing on a daily basis. And as we were saying, here's what it's going to eventually look like. We have a lot of uh, the pilasters going in here now. The trees are all going in. Um, the concrete's going to start going down. We've got pavers that are coming through here that are about done that you'll see and to the roundabout where the buses drive here. And again, this tin cone structure, um, <clears throat> shade structure, is, is just an incredible architectural statement. Uh, kind of go through how we all started out. Groundbreaking ceremony on uh, March 8th. Um, former Mayor uh, Roach speaking up there. You have um, the attended by Larry Ellison, of course, uh, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Victoria Azarenka, Anna Ivanich, and Mayor Mary Roach. Um, it was just really great to see basically the best tennis players in the world show kind of appreciation for what this project is going to be, that they came and took time out of their day for the groundbreaking. And as Dick said, March 17, 2013, um, we waited till the final championship point, and about the time Rafael Nadal was jumping into the stands to shake hands with Larry Ellison, uh, I was out yelling, release the hounds to the people on site and getting the uh, scrapers and uh, earthwork equipment going. And that's what it looked like about April. Uh, not much to it. You can see that they're starting to uh, cut in the bowl, and you can actually see here, you know, kind of the perimeter of the, the stadium there. And that's the site. We basically had just cleared um, everything that was uh, east of the property before with the additional property. All we really did was clear and grub it at this time in April. We hadn't started any of the site work down here, which is now TV land or any of the north entrance. Uh, you'll see that coming up later. Around May, um, we had get the, the bottom level, which is called the tunnel, even though it's not really a tunnel, it has a, a large man lift and a freight elevator that goes to the bottom. Uh, we're starting to pour that, um, and that's basically working ourselves up. But because of our schedule is so tight, you can see right here that we're already got the uh, steel deck going up. Footings are being poured throughout here, and you even see um, some concentric brace frames uh, right there. So <clears throat> it's really going with two crews. This one's going up. This crew's kind of coming around, and you'll sort of see how uh, the basically hop back and forth is where you have an open spot. We're, you know, trying to attack it as soon as possible. And again, the site, there's not much else going on. You know, demoing up here, getting, getting um, this all clear and starting with some of the amendments right here. You can kind of see a green haze to it. So by June, you have the two decks on each side. 
you're starting to close this off over here. This is starting to come to ground level right here, being basically cast in place concrete walls that encompass not only the lift, but a stairwell and a freight elevator. Uh, the, <clears throat> the idea with the lift is so you can get two um, forklifts down at any given time up and down. You also, uh, the idea of maybe driving a, a brand new car and driving out here onto the tennis court in, in a, ma a match that was sponsored by Mercedes, say. We have some of the scope work. We had one of the benefits and one of the reasons they chose my firm is trying to go back and remember the mistakes that we made on, on the first stadium. And this was one of the bigger ones is we didn't finish the lower bowl and it would really, it really caused a lot of rushing at the end. And there always is with a construction project. But um, I thought on this one, we definitely needed to finish the lower bowl first. Uh, that way we had the uh, stadium erectors, uh, for the most part, work on the outside of the building erecting the steel and the precast and the concrete. When here, if you see the, what they're basically is a formwork for the seating. Another thing that we did here is we poured a waste slab. Basically it's just non-structural concrete. That way when you work on the, the, the sand slope, you're not kicking it all the way down downhill. That was another thing when we were on the first stadium, we were always shoveling out the dirt and trying to move it back up, and then people would work on it and go back down again. Yeah, the site in June, still not much in the site work outside of the new property, um, but it's just kind of, again, I love the overhead shots. gives you an idea of just the enormity of the, the entire project. So by July, we're pretty much finished with the oval. Um, we're pouring the concrete on deck uh, all the way throughout here. We're getting ready to set not only the structural steel, but uh, the precast stadia, which is what you see now. And still working in the lower bowl, you're actually having your, ca your um, cast-in-place retaining walls all around, and you could start to see the court, at least the perimeter of the court, take, uh, take shape. And uh, again, one thing that getting this ramp out of here. This ramp right there is where everybody comes in and out. And we're basically, the lower bowl, the whole purpose is to work yourself out of that bowl so we can end up closing the perimeter of it. Um, basically get out with all the earthwork equipment, finish off the lower bowl, and that way you don't have to have a pass through through the building holding up construction. And in July, we're starting to get the precast in. Um, these are pieces that are cast in a, in a shop or a factory, in this case in Riverside, and they're basically, uh, it's like a big erector set for the stadium. They're post-tension concrete, um, and they weigh as much as they look. They're, uh, I think that one's well over 50,000 pounds. Um, but we're putting it together, and those will hold the stadia precast pieces in place. This one, we kind of have a side view of it. Now, the, the important thing here on, in July, we're starting in TV land. And this is, a, that's what we call it on site, but this is the infrastructure. Um, and something I missed that was very important. We did go around the perimeter and put a new 12 kV line in to give the whole entire site a whole new uh, electrical backbone. It was finding that they were, the, the stadium one and the site as it was, was maxing out. Uh, on basically the power capacity and adding the new stadium, we're going to have to get a whole new electrical infrastructure. So that 
part of that goes down here, all the new switch gear, um, and then the TV expanding the ability for when the TV networks and cable networks um, come and cover the tournament. It's a whole new area here that's expanded from the previous area. I know that the red dot's hard to see, which was right here. Topping out party. I think that was uh, some of you. It was the last time you were out on site. It's a special. It's, it's a special event that we like to do for big projects, and we did it on the first project. Everybody, every worker, so they can feel part of the project, is coming up, signing the steel beam, and we have a barbecue. There were speakers at the last one. Uh, Raymond said a few words. I think Mary Mary Roach, you said a few words, and. Um, it was covered by the networks, and it was really, uh, really a great event for uh, the, our, not only our employees, but everybody involved in the tennis garden. So that's another picture, Dick Oliphant's there, and lucky enough to have uh, my logo on, on that beam. And that's my team out there. They're the people that deserve, uh, deserve the credit. Um, you know, Fred East, who's in the middle there, he's... Uh, He's uh, my project executive, basically uh, runs the, runs the uh, office that we have up here in Indian Wells. Um, but as Dick said, our superintendents couldn't do anything without him. That's Norm Testerman. He's my chief superintendent. Seth Sherrod, uh, he's superintendent on for the structure. Uh, Jonathan Clark, he's TI superintendent. Um, <clears throat> Oscar Nikas is our site superintendent. He's right here. And I... I Another very important person shouldn't go on notice is Jesse Tatro. He is our um, he's our safety foreman out there, which is is hugely important for the amount of people you have. And very proud to say we are accident free, lost time free on this project for a project of this size. That's something that should be noted. So the beam um, starts to go in place, and, and it's at pretty much the highest point. Uh, steel-wise on the stadium. So coming up on September, and it's really starting to take shape in September, um, you're seeing the second floor, the trusses go in up right here. Um, this, the, the precast goes for as much as there is. It goes pretty quick because, it's again, it's all built. It's just putting together. It's putting, like putting together Legos. And we are <clears throat> working ourselves, finally working ourselves out of the Lower bowl, you can see the last portion of the stadia being poured right there for the lower bowl. Some of the work that we have on site, of course, the pouring of stadium to court. Uh, we've always, that's, uh, we have a pretty strict, uh, from Warren, time we can start in the morning. The one time Warren actually gives us a break on that is when we're pouring concrete, especially in the heat of uh, September. And uh, some of the trusses for the uh, perimeter buildings, uh, which will pretty much act as a, a much-needed back-of-house uh, storage and uh, facilities for the tennis garden. So the site's really starting to take shape, too. You have, you can see the grass starting to come in over to the east side of the site, right along Washington. Um, the TV land is still taking, taking shape in September. And, uh, and we're starting to work ourselves into the site here, continuing the grand entrance. It's just going to be an incredible entrance, not only in here, but once you go into the tin cone structure and you're here to the uh, Corona Circle, um, these are all pavers now, and it's going to be just this incredible, much-needed grand entrance for the facility. 
So November, jump ahead to November, and we have our second shade structure. And uh, the shade structure was something that our company did a couple years ago. Um, it's a, with a firm out of New Zealand that uh, came up with uh, the design. And to say it was popular during its first tournament's an understatement. Day or night, you can't find a seat under there. It is, everybody congregates under it. And the one that's up before, you can't see. So this is its twin that is perpendicular from it. And we've been fortunate enough um, on a project like this, it gets a lot of attention. Hence, you know, I'm here in front of the city council. I, I'm not doing that if I'm building a, uh, a restaurant, um, although we are building three. Um, but you have a legend like Billie Jean King swinging by, and it's just it's kind of nice when you have people like that coming to see your project. And the seats are starting to go in in November. Now the site's really picking up steam. You can still see in November that you've got the, the it's hard to make out, but you've got the, uh, the perimeter retaining walls. You have the electrical compound, which I spoke about, that's going in. And what you really don't see, you have the new four practice courts. What you really don't see here is the incredible amount of underground infrastructure that has to be put in for what, you know, what is TV land? What is for the trucks to come in and uh, get the network feeds worldwide for the BNP Paraba open? In December, right here, I think it got shuffled a little bit, but this is, you kind of get a, a lot of other changes. It's starting to take, TV land starting to take a little more shape. The grass is in um, and growing. Uh, that will be parking during the tournament and it'll be soccer fields. Uh, when the tournament is, you know, the rest of 50 weeks of the year. Um, right here you have, uh, you have the palm trees starting to go in. Um, when Mr. Ellison gave his speech on uh, groundbreaking, one of the things he uh, said was uh, the, the new expansion will have an emphasis on the word garden in our title. Uh, right now I think we're up to uh, plus or minus 500 palm trees, and if you look at them, they're just incredible. Uh, they really changed the... You can even see the shadows of the new ones changing the look along Washington right there. And the entrance, of course, is dotted with a whole bunch of palm trees through here. And now you start seeing the back of house walls, too. These walls, can't tell much, and again, the red things going out, red uh, pointers going out, but those are about 12 feet high, and it really gives a, a good amount of security and, and sort of, thank you, appreciate that. And it gives us a good amount of security, but it also gives, um, visually, it, it blocks all the back of house uh, work. Because, uh, you know, to throw the BMP Paribas open is an incredible amount of uh, back of house work, incredible work by their facilities team. So this is the, this is the grand entrance how it looked. I think about last week. Well, no, this is actually earlier this week because you have the 10-cone structure here up. And that's what I was talking about, about the architectural impact um, of the grand entrance. Uh, obviously, the trees are up over here. The roof tiles are on. The, the stucco is finished. Um, the glazing is in. It's just, uh, it's really, if, yeah, it's the people, since this is still kind of a, a great deal of people don't live here during the summer. I would like to hear what they thought when they came back down Washington after a few months. They, they, it must have been something shocking to them. 
closer view of the tin cone structure right here. It's still getting, it's been erected, it's getting tweaked. Uh, some of the folds in the fabric you see will probably be stretched out here over the next couple weeks. But uh, again, it makes for a grand entrance. We've also, besides tin cone structure, I think uh, Stealth Bomber is another one of its nicknames. So, but uh, it is something to see. And this is uh, when people come through and they drop off at the entrance, then they just, uh, a lot of the buses and everybody will just come through here, drop off. The people head back out and they are back onto miles. So just moving people in and out of the facility. Raymond's, I believe he told me last year's attendance was 384,000 for the event and the expansion is going to bring it up to 500,000, the ability to have 500,000 people come to the tournament. Any questions or comments? That's uh, the end of the slides right now. Yes. Patrick, go ahead. Um, I was looking at the picture, and it looks like the steepness. I'm probably using a bad word uh, or an incorrect word. Pitch. The pitch. Yeah. It, it looks more severe than in the other stadium. Is that only... My perception of it on the slide, or? That's your perception on this. Yeah, that's the perception the slide's giving. That's not the case. It's good to hear. Oh, and uh, Councilman Hansen wanted me to mention we were, exactly. we were fortunate enough to have built the pavilion at the Indian Wells Golf Resort, too. And I'm it, glad to hear all the positive feedback. Couldn't be happier Joe, about that. Jody, your presentation today was absolutely excellent and all the work that you've done, and it's great. Thank you. I appreciate but, it. But the importance for me is the pavilion you build. <laughs> uh, Raymond might and, and take Denny, issue with that. No, but, Ray, uh, no Ray, Raymond is, he, he, he said. I, uh, and I think Denny Booth alluded to it in his uh, comments uh, as well. That building you built for us over at the Indian Wells uh, Golf Resort is just unbelievable. Everyone talks about how great it is. And you, all your crew, Jesse and everybody that worked over there, just did a fantastic job in a very Thanks. short period of time. Did yeah, we, it's, I really think that there's a market niche here for that shade type of shade structure. And we've been working. The same people that did that pavilion are the ones that have done the shade structures at the tennis garden. And Let's hope you don't go out and build a lot more fast because we need to get this one paid for. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might disagree with you on that, too. <laughs> anyways. Anybody else? No, just thank you for a great update, and, and watching the progress uh, was very interesting. And even I didn't, I didn't realize how fast you started uh, putting the, sh the, the deck, upper deck, before you even had the, um, the lower part even uh, graded. So that was a, that was a great uh, presentation to well, look thank at you. the progress. And I appreciate it. Um, I would open up to anybody, you know, you, I know you know how to get a hold of me. Right. Uh, if you want a tour, please let me know. I'd be happy to give it to you. Thank you, Jody. Jody, I Thanks. just offer my thanks and my compliments to you and to Dick, to Ray and Steve and your entire staff out there. This is, this is great, and it's going to be really super come March. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll move on to item six, public comments, or public hearings, rather. Anyone who challenges any hearing matter in court may be limited to raising only those issues he, she, or someone else raised at the public hearing described herein, 
or in written correspondence delivered to the City Council at or prior to the public hearing. So item 6A is a roof deck at 45410 Cook Street. Warren. Mayor, members of the City Council, I promise not to make my presentation as long as Jody's. Hmm. He's gone already. Um, the project site for uh, the roof deck is located on the east side of Cook Street, just south of uh, 111, as identified in the uh, red box there, the old Hutton residence. The deck itself on the residence is located in the back away from Cook Avenue, as you can see on that slide. Uh, notice that the, um, the north arrow is sideways there, so it's kind of throwing you off, but essentially it's on the back side of the structure, and I'll use a different pointer here, there on the back, and we'll show more slides of it. It looks better in photos. This is the actual structure. If you look at this picture, it shows the scope of work. Essentially what's going on is they want to put a 256-square-foot uh, roof over the single-story uh, expansion of the the uh, main uh, bedroom, master bedroom, and and bathroom. So that's why it looks like the work's been stopped out there. They're kind of holding off until they get a decision by the council on the uh, fact that if they can move forward with the, the deck. It's going to have a 42-inch rail above it to isolate it so nobody falls off. And then the applicant's planning on putting Spanish tiles on the deck of the, of the uh, top there. Access will occur from this side. It'll come down into the deck itself. Along with the CUP application for the deck, associated variance is needed to deviate from the zoning code. The code itself currently requires four provisions to do a roof deck in the city. First one is the lot's got to be a certain size. The second one is the lot has got to be unique uh, in physical uh, characteristics that allow for the additional usage or square footage use of the home itself. It wouldn't create a impact to adjacent property owners. And the last one is the lot is contiguous to a visually prominent open space. The project itself currently meets the first three provisions. The applicant is requesting to deviate from the, the last one. And essentially after reviewing it and going over with the applicant, the justification is that essentially because of the shape of the lot, and the size of the lot, there is a, a private open space by it on the lot, uh, on the north side, and then the, it really doesn't impact any adjacent properties, as we'll see as we go through this, the rest of these slides. If you're on the deck looking east, this is what you see. You can see over uh, to the east there, that's the province development, and that's the uh, few slabs that are existing within the development. So that's looking east. If you look north, that's also the province development. And I don't think there's any slabs there now, but you can essentially see there's a large setback on the side. And that's the private open space I was talking about. And then looking northeast, because you can't look directly north, you see the wall. So you have to look north northeast over the uh, addition there, and you can see uh, what's across the street there. Staff did contact Providence, the adjacent development gentleman named Brian Jacobs to ask him what the builder thinks about the project. He said they don't have a problem with it at all. We gave him the plans and everything. We also contacted Adele with the Indian Wells Historical uh, Preservation Foundation. She's actually in the audience. Yes. Um, to get her input on it, to make sure that she's aware of it. She's very interested in the home itself, of course. Uh, she's told me before that she's interested in it. 
but she did say that there, it's not court currently listed, so she believes that you know, the homeowner has a right to move forward with the project itself. And she's actually here, so I think she may have a few words uh, about that. Uh, and then we received correspondence from a property owner across Cook Street in the Cove development, a Mrs. Louise Green, who's concerned about privacy impacts with the deck. So as part of that process, the Planning Commission went out there, did a project and a site visit because they were concerned about what was going on there before they made their final determination with the, with the, uh, the project. And um, before I get to their determination, standing on the deck, um, you look across the street in the Cove development, you can actually see that from the deck side, you can't really see into anybody's property down there. We, we indicated Don Diego's for reference so you know where the commercial center is and the property itself. So you really can't see that way. This slide gives you an idea of the existing site. That little red area here is the deck. So this is a province. And if you look out to the deck, you're looking down the street. And you really can't see into anybody's backyard because these are side-on homes. So we analyzed that and said, well, there's not really going to be that big an impact down there, in addition to talking to the developer. This will be a home that's side-on also. You're not looking directly in the, into the backyard. And then also here. And this is where the uh, Cove development is across the street. And a couple extra slides shows you at the ground level. If you're looking from the Cove across towards the project site, the deck is up in this area behind the tree. And then the opposite looking the other way at street level, not at the deck, at street level, what's going on on the street. The Planning Commission did review it, as I said. They recommended approval of the project. They didn't see there was any additional impact to the uh, visibility around the, the entire project itself. That concludes my presentation. Questions? Patrick. Uh, a quick question. My recollection is that this uh, uh, home does not have air conditioning. Is that correct? I'd have to defer it to that. It does not have air conditioning. That's correct. It does? Yes. It does. Does no? Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. Does it have air conditioning on the second floor? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's yes, so. Thank you. Other questions? Um, this is a um, covered deck? No. No, ma'am. It's just a deck. A it, the reason I said roof deck, it's on top of an existing one-story home, so it's on top of the roof, but it's not covered itself. Okay, because also that uh, the diagram that shows the height shows um, 17 feet, but you're just going to the roof, the existing roof. Um, yes, ma'am. That's just to show you that if somebody was to stand on the roof, oops, that you would have to be 9 feet tall to see over directly to the west. All right, and is that a new garage? That is part of the master bedroom expansion and uh, bathroom expansion, bedroom, bathroom expansion. Because what you're showing there used to be uh, those pane doors were the kitchen, not the master bedroom. That's correct. Okay, well that's what I'm assuming, and, and, and the garage is a, what you're saying is, is it's over the, here, right? The old yeah. garage is over there, and so what we're looking at is not a garage door, but that's a master bedroom with sliding doors. Okay, just for everything is fine. I just uh, was a little confused on uh, what you're talking about here. Mary, the pool is new, 
I see it's brand new. Right? You want to take yeah. the Okay. Adele, if you have any more, we'll ask you to come up to the to the microphone so we get it on the record. Uh, I have no problem. Any more questions? Another question? Um, is this home in the process of applying for a historic location or no? N no. This will get Adele up. <laughs> you wanted her to get up. Uh. Good to see you, Adele. This is the point. You're, you're going to make me get up here anyway, aren't you? Uh, listen, we, we some time ago, and I think it was you, Patrick, that picked up what we thought was going to be the application to the National Registry. It is all but complete. And then at that time, Mr. Hutton passed away, and the house went on the market. And so what the Huttons had done and written the cover letter uh, we just voided and left it to the Birches because they had bought it and said to Diane and Michael, why don't you go ahead if you would like to. We could have done it along with Mr. Hutton because he was still alive, but she had died. And, and he gave permission then for the Birches to go ahead and let them apply for the National Registry. Almost everything has been done except that now with the changes and the restoration, they have to do new pictures, and there are things that have to be added. So they haven't done that until this is approved. And I have Jan here, too, who was actually the writer of the, uh, the paperwork for the registry. Uh, we kind of think as a group that it probably won't make any difference. But again, if somebody buys something that is, and we think it's historic, that could be. But the new owner can do anything they want to. And if the Birches find that with the application for this deck being approved and the registry doesn't accept it, that's not up to the foundation. It's up to whether they want to go ahead and do it. And they've done restoration all over Southern California. And as far as the foundation is concerned, we feel that it's now up to the city and up to the Birches to come to some agreement and get the place finished. It's habitable. I've been in. They have lived in it. You asked about the air conditioning. It's always, it's been air conditioned for many, many years. But since the, um, remodeling and mostly restoration has taken place, they cut it off when they did the uh, enhancement and the uh, earthquake proof and all those things. So in talking to Diane, they have not hooked it up, but there is air conditioning in the house. And again, as far as the foundation is concerned, we will go along which whatever the uh, planning commission, the city council and the birches do because it's not it's only up to us to recommend we've already made our recommendations that we would like to see it on the registry if it happens it happens if not then we have to pull out thank you okay, no other questions we'll open the public hearing and i have no blue comment cards is there anybody that wishes to speak on this matter seeing none we'll close the public hearing and bring it back to council any further discussion Move approval. No. Oh, go ahead. Second. No, no discussion other than I'd like to compliment uh, our staff, Warren, for doing an excellent job in his presentation. It's fantastic. Okay. So we're, the motion is to move staff's recommendation. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes unanimously. Warren Community Development Block Grant. I think um, Nick's going to pop up the next presentation real quick. Okay. Next item before you is this next year's Community Development Block Grant. Let's see if this works here. Nick, help. Oh, there we go. Uh, this year's community not black. Over the last few years, I, it seems like I keep coming, seeing you on this every year, and it doesn't seem like it's a whole year. But over the last few years, we received $115,942 in funding. We've currently done three major projects, and that would be the upgrade exterior doors, locks, master key cabinets at both facilities. We've upgraded security cameras for the residents, which was important back, I think, last year or the year before, and the additional entrance lighting and replaced broken lighting. The estimated project costs are the first column there that you see on your thing. That's what we thought they were going to cost, and I should say that I work with Encore on it. So that's what we thought, Encore and uh, the city thought it was going to cost. This is how much we spent, so this is how much is left over. The numbers don't look like they match, and this is because... We have an additional 30000 from last year we haven't put towards anything, so that's added in. But just to be assured that the numbers do match. And so that's how much are le is left over from the previous years. Um, as you know, the ENCOR, we developed this master lighting plan we continue to work on to make better illumination at, at the Indian Wells or the Mount View Villas community and to lower costs. We're requesting 30000 this year, and that's part of the application before you. The 30000 will be used with the remaining funds, so the 60000 so a total will be 94-ish thousand towards the first and second phase of the lighting plan. And the overall cost of the lighting program is still 265000 so we still have some work to do and funding to do. But in talking with NCOR, they're actually going to try to get that part of the CIP budget scheduled instead of always relying on the CDBG funding. So at this point, we think we can take care of it with CIP. I may be before you again next year asking for, for more money for this particular project. But before you is a request to go ahead and move forward with the 30000 for this year to use towards the lighting master plan to help pay off the first and second phase of it. That concludes my presentation. Questions of staff? Seeing none, we'll open the public hearing. Anybody from the audience wishing to speak? Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing and bring it back to you. Move to approve. Second. Moved and seconded to approve staff recommendation. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes unanimously. Move on to consent calendar. All matters listed on the consent calendar are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one vote. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless members of the City Council or audience request that a specific item be pulled uh, from the calendar for separate discussion. If you wish to address the City Council, again, please fill out a comment card in advance and hand it to the City Clerk. Financial matters will be indicated as budgeted or non-budgeted in the agenda item. We have items 7A through F. Anybody wish to pull an item? Anybody from the public? Seeing none, is there a motion? Well, oh, no. <laughs> Come on, Andy, give us a break. 
All right. Well, a member of the audience has requested pulling 7A, B, and C. So is there a motion to approve D, E, and F? I'll Move. make the motion. I'll second. Moved and seconded. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? It's D, E, and F pass. Andy, forward, please. Please come forward if you want to discuss. Andy Elchek, Indian Wells. Uh, having read these, uh, it seems like they're asked, uh, the staff report does ask for discussion and opinions on, on these subjects. And so I don't see how you can put it on a consent calendar if you're going to want discussion, if you're not going to put it up. So. That was my reason, and I was kind of looking forward to you explaining why these things took place. Thank you. Okay. Well, to as to what I, I do have, I would like to discuss uh, one item, 7C, if we can, the uh, schedule for city council meetings. Can we can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. Uh, and and uh, and my question. Uh, as it relates to the schedule, uh, what was the thought behind canceling the July 3rd meeting? It was just before July 4th holiday. But is that the only reason? And within the recent history, we have been canceling or making only one, having one meeting in July, August, and September. But, but my thought as I looked this over uh, I mean, you're going. To, staff is going to be here on July the third. Uh, everything's going to be here. If we would, if we were to meet on July the third instead of the tenth, the city council then could have uh, from July the fourth. I mean, a nice vacation in the summer instead of having to come back on the tenth. I mean, it just it doesn't seem logical to me. Uh, I would propose that we meet on July the 3rd, cancel this one you've got proposed for July the 10th, so that we could have off until uh, September the 18th or August the 28th. Whoopee, you know? August 21st, but yes. That, I mean, whatever council wants. I, uh, I would make a motion that we revise this uh, to, uh, to meet on July the 3rd. And uh, cancel the proposed July the 10th, and uh, and then um, you've got uh, and then meet on August the 28th. 21st. No, oh, 28th. The 28th. That that's the last Thursday in August. Okay, and then we'll take off September the 4th because uh, that's League uh, of California Cities. The only problem with the August 28th is that it is a set planning commission date because they meet on the last Thursday of each month. So, but, and it is at 1.30. How many weeks in between council meetings would that end up being it would be my concern. Um, we don't want to have to call a special meeting because there is business to have to, to take care of. That seems like an awful long span, and and I like Mary. I, come on. <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, 
I spent eight years where we never canceled a meeting, so... Uh, a couple years ago, when you was up on the mountain, you didn't want to come off at all. Yeah, well, I did, uh, <laughs> regardless, but um, there's a limit to how, how long we can go. We usually try, at least when we have canceled, we try not to make it more than six weeks so that we don't have to have any special meetings. It puts a big burden in. The second question I would ask... And I, I looked to see if I had a calendar for next year, and mine ends in December, unfortunately. What day of the week is July 3rd? Thursday. Thursday. Oh, of course July it's a Thursday. Yes, it's, it's, our regular, it's our regular scheduled meeting day, okay? Okay. But, but I'm looking at the city manager. I don't manager. have a problem with that. I think that that makes sense. I, I would hold, oh, I would hold uh, open the um, August 21st. I think that uh, that's probably too long a span. The city manager was tickled to death that that we wanted to go until the I'm 28th. I'm sure. I mean, it's only a week later, but a week later, if you're on vacation, it's it's important. Well, it is important. It's very important to know what we're going to do so that we can plan vacations and staff as well. I would argue that we leave it the way it is. The 21st? Uh, it, leave everything the way it's scheduled. I mean... When you ran for office, you didn't say, I want to have four weeks off, three weeks off. But that, but but full-time councilman, you got to <laughs> suck it up. And Listen, to the, this is the guy that complains every day that he's not getting paid enough. And he, well, that's because we do, well, look at what we're doing double duty. We show up at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and instead of having a 1.30 oh, to 4 oh, or 5, but don't get me started. I think we should keep it the way it is. Mr. Peabody, you have well, any comments? I made a motion. I say we leave it as it is. You made a motion. I did. I didn't get a second on the second. motion. You guys are. So the, did somebody want to make a motion to that effect? What, leave it the way I'll it make is? a motion. We leave it the way it is. Oh, I'll yeah. second say, that motion. When you say leave it the way it is, you're talking about as presented by canceled you. July 3rd, as presented. As presented. Right. I'll second there's that. A, there's a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? No. <laughs> four one. Once again, another four one. <laughs> Is there a motion to a, B, approve seven A and B? I'll make a motion to approve. Second. There's a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes unanimously. General business, grants in aid, Nancy. Uh, good afternoon, Mayor and Council. Today I bring forward from the Grants and Aids Committee their recommendations for approval for funding homeless-related activities for a total budget of 60000 and funding other eligible grant applicants in the amount of 40000 the fiscal impact of 100000 is included in the grants and age budget, and no additional funding is required. The city received 28 applications, and the committee is recommending funding for the 14 of these organizations. The spreadsheet included in your packet shows the organizations and funding levels that is being recommended. We have a few uh, committee members. Um, uh, Roger and Dave are here today, and I'm available for, quest for questions. Questions? I, I would like to say, I think I went through the processes here, and, and first of all, I'm glad to see that there's some grants and aids set up for this year. I think it's, it's, it's due. 
Um, the process for someone like myself was painful. Uh, I felt that the committee did an, an incredible job. They followed the rules as the rules are written. That still made it painful for some. And, and But I think the most important thing is that they've recognized that we need to do some revisions to the grants and aids program to make it so that we can help those that can't fill out a form correctly, which is unfortunate, but that's the way the rules are. So I, I'm very, I think this is one of the best committees in the city. I think that they're super qualified, they take the time, and we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of pages, and they went through it all, and it impressed me that they knew the balance sheets, the financials, Andy attended a couple of the meetings, they knew it all, and they understood it, and they did it in a very fair way. And even though I would love to have seen a couple of these, a couple of the others get it, they didn't follow the format, so they can't get it. But I think next year we can we can change that to get it so that we can assist some of these people prior to the final vote, so that they would be eligible. And I hope that the uh, grants and aids group will come up with a new plan to present to the council. Thank you. Any other comments? Questions? I'm a little surprised that uh, my distinguished good friend Ty Peabody gave such a beautiful proclamation, <laughs> especially when loving all animals got nothing. That's true. And I cried. <laughs> Can we move this meeting along, please? <laughs> oh, my God. Same, same opportunity um, you get. After listening to our city attorney this morning, um, on my contributors on my last election go around, um, there are several from Shelter from the Storm. I just need to declare that. Yeah. And and what if they're no longer, what if on people who are no longer on boards well, that were contributors? The question is, are they on the board today? I have no idea. All right. It's a heck of a lot of research we have to do to find out who's on these boards. Out of an abundance of caution, I would recommend making a full report on that. All right. Then I will say uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Pegasus uh, Therapeutic Writing Academy. Uh, I have, uh, will declare that I have contributions from people who may or may not be on boards. Right. Now, I just want to make sure that you comply and all council members comply with the Indian Wells Policy Manual. Let me just start by way of reference for the audience and those watching. Uh, there's no requirement under the Political Reform Act or under California law that the council do what it is now in the process of doing and what it did when it adopted the following policy. But the, the council adopted a policy uh, that requires what I'm about to describe in order to have full transparency regarding agenda items which might provide some financial benefit to campaign contributors of council members within the last four years, which in the aggregate total $99, more than $99. And that's what we're dealing with here. Now, in order to comply with the council policy manual, uh, the council member who has such a report to make within campaign contributions of more than $99 from one source within the last four years, uh, the council member uh, must indicate the following. 
Um, the name of the contributor. Uh, we already know what agenda item uh, we're dealing with. It's the one presently before you. And the clerk will be required to note for the minutes the report you are making. So with that in mind, if you could identify the contributors. All right. From Shelter from the Storm, it would be uh, Robert Baltus and Mary Heckman and Patty Delgado Service. Um, I think that's all. Uh, big Brothers, Big Sisters. I don't know if he's still on. He was president of the board at that time. Would be Tom Flanagan. And... Um, Pegasus, I don't know that I have anybody from Pegasus, even though I said that. I was on that board, too. That's all um, for sure. That I, Oh, Kevin McGuire was on um, Shelter from the Storm. That's all I know for sure. <laughs> and... May I just ask a caveat then? In the future, uh, when you present uh, the amounts that the grants and aids is requesting uh, that the council approve, could you um, supplement your your um, staff report with with a list of the current directors so that we can then cross check? Because that's part of my problem. Is 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 I don't know who is cur currently on those boards. The, the board, we do request that, so it is in their packets. So but I do actually. I'm asking that right, we but have, I, can, I know you, yeah, okay. you get it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions or comments? Is there a motion? I'll make a motion to approve the list as it is presented. Second. Moved and seconded. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? None. Passes unanimously. Reestablishment of committees, 8B, Anna. The city manager is passing out the first page of each of the four yeah. resolutions that you are considering, where we have put uh, consistent governing policies for the community activities, the golf resort advisory, the grants and aids, and the marketing committee. The revisions that I've provided to you have the changes that the council agreed to at the morning session where you stated that um, one council member will serve with one council member alternate at the community activities for the golf resort advisory will be two council members serving on the board. For the grants and aid, it will be one council member and one alternate council member. And for the marketing committee, it is two council members. So basically what we have gone through is looked at the establishment resolutions for each of these four committees, and they varied from, I believe, 2002 to 2011 was the last time we touched uh, these. And we have put in standard language for each and every one of them. I detailed them in my second and third page of the staff report, which talked about the role of the ex officio members, how they're appointed, the term limits, setting regular time and dates, the decorum, how to prepare minutes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if council has 
Any changes that you wish to make to any of the resolutions, please inform me and we'll do them as amended. Otherwise, these are good to go and I need you to make the motion and adopt the four resolutions as presented. And that concludes my report. Thank you. Comments or questions? Is there a motion? Move approval. Second. Motion to approve and adopt the resolutions as recommended by staff. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? And we'll hold the vote open for Mr. Mullaney's return. Thank you. 8C, Mr. City Manager, strategic planning process. Mr. Mayor and Council, it is uh, almost uh, 2014 and we're getting started on our strategic planning effort. Today, what I want to describe for you is the overall strategic planning process that the city has generally been following and one that I hope to uh, continue or to introduce uh, slightly new events to. Uh, I'll also describe the uh, 2014 uh, process that we are about to go through and what it looks like through the end of the year and on to the next uh, budget cycle and review for today the phase one uh, portion of it and, uh, and try to get some feedback from you on the, uh, on the project. Now, uh, let me say, well, let me uh, describe the overall process. So you had a strategic planning workshop in January of 2013. We were somewhat delayed with the transition of the city managers and getting through the, um, the Indian Wells Golf Resort strategic planning as well. And we didn't adopt goals until October of 2013. Normally we would do that much earlier in the year and then have quarterly reviews through the year. So uh, now we've adopted goals. We're providing you quarterly reports. Uh, in February, uh, we will have the next strategic planning uh, meeting workshop of the City Council, where again, this would be the mid-year cycle. So you, you would be reviewing the goals you currently have, perhaps making adjustments in, in where we've completed goals and we still have capacity, you may even add additional goals. Uh, we would bring back to you uh, for council adoption uh, goals in April of 2014 and in fact present them to the community at that time. And then we would again conduct quarterly reviews to assess our progress, make any council adjustments necessary of goals, and you would roll right back into a strategic planning workshop that would then be 2015. Now this mirrors our budget process so that as you develop goals, back in June, January of 13, or when we do in January of 15, those would work to build the two-year budget. The 15 to 17 budget would then be based on City Council goals developed in January 15, much like your budget today is based on your goals. So things like the, the golf resort strategic plan got, was able to get accomplished and we had set monies aside for the other programs that you have discussed. So that that's sort of the overall planning process. As you remember, your current goals um, and we have the itemized action plan that we review quarterly, but the current goals are to build trust capacity and a customer service culture in Indian Wells, to continue to enhance our financial condition, and to continue to build Indian Wells community devoted to an exceptional quality of life. And certainly, overall, we've really concentrated on the financial condition. This is the 2014 
2015 strategic planning process. Today we'll review our mission statement, the planning horizon, what I call an environmental scan. Uh, at your next council meeting in January the 16th, we'll review uh, community development, public works, and marketing uh, work plans, what's going on in those departments, and perhaps some issues you may face in 2014-15 in those particular areas. In the first meeting in February, we'll review finance and labor uh, work plans. In the second meeting, uh, or in then the very next week, will be the Council's Strategic Planning Workshop. So those first three meetings, today, January, and the first meeting in February, we're going to try to provide you information and ask the questions, do you need additional information or are we capturing the issues? So that at the February meeting, when you, when the five of you are face to face to talk about strategic planning for another year, you have as much information as we could provide you. So basically your war chest is full of information that you could then discuss out the various issues. So we're not necessarily asking for feedback at each of the council meetings. Some of them will be reporting information. So we'll give you a lot of budget information in February preparing you for the very next week when you can talk about strategic planning and where do you want to spend those funds. Today's check-in will be a little bit foundational in that we'll ask you, although you can change that when you get to your February workshop, are we really still good with the uh, mission statement and, um, and the, um, uh, have we hit the, the mark on the uh, action plans? Your current uh, action plans, um, are, uh, you have 64 action plans. So remember, this is this all is really um, uh, built on one another or uh, steeped in detail as we get through this process. Once we've done the organ organizational assessment, the future scenarios and council goals that will be done in the two-day workshop uh, by the City Council February 11th and 12th at the Inniwells Golf Resort, and the department heads will take that information with our staffs and we will do like we just did for you for October, we'll develop actual action plans and responsible people, key timelines, and when those things will occur so that we can then um, uh, conduct a quarterly review to make sure we're going further. We'll bring those action plans back. You guys will have an opportunity to refine those plans and eventually adopt those. We expect that to occur on April 3rd and on April 17th in the State of the City Address. The Mayor will present, Mayor and Council will present those goals to the community. We'll continue on our quarterly progress review. So one, you can see financially where we're going, and secondly, you can see the progress we're making on the various City Council goals. So today's meeting, uh, phase one, if you will, the, uh, the highlighted section, first, um, item that we want to talk about is a little bit about the planning horizon. This is very flexible and you, got, and you could set some standards for us. Generally we look at the end of the, the planning horizon in terms of what sort of time frame can you reasonably predict results or reasonably predict our base level information. Given California anymore that's pretty tough. It might be like next week. But we're trying to get it out far enough that it includes the whole next two-year budget so that as we ask you to make visions, create vision at the workshop in February, we'll be talking really about what you want Indian Wells to look like and feel like a few years out. So this is our recommended uh, planning horizon is the three-year period that I have in the staff report. 
This is your current mission statement. Create an unsurpassed quality of life for our residents and guests by providing superior public safety, exceptional service, and outstanding amenities that will further enhance Indian Wells as a prestigious community. As you can see, as we build goals and action plans and even uh, department operational plans, this is what we're shooting for. And so we're keeping the prestigious community uh, really forefront in those things that we do. And I've been very impressed with the, with the department heads' uh, work in that area. So we're going to ask you in just a couple of minutes, um, is that mission statement still good? Is that still where we are? Or do you want need some uh, discussion or some amendments to that? And then lastly for today uh, is the environmental scan. Now the entire environmental scan I have included in your staff report. And what that environmental scan is, is really just a, a, a tool to help us when we're standing there in February to consider our entire environment. So much like a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats report, this environmental scan, I just take uh, you and the department heads and the community through. Let's really think of, for a second, who are our customers and clients? Who are we providing those services to? Who regulates us? Uh, where do we get our resources? Who are our resource providers? And who are our competitors? And then evaluate what sort of trends are affecting those people so that when we begin to make future scenarios or action plans, we have some idea about what's going on in our customers' lives, our residents' lives that might be our customers. So you can see in the staff report, and I'd be glad to highlight any, um, these are drafts that the, uh, the department head team assembled. And so what I'm really looking for in this uh, case is on each of these, in customers, regulators, resource providers, and competitors, did we capture really the list of customers that you believe are customers? Are there any categories that we overstated that, that shouldn't be included? Uh, or are there some that you wanted to add? And then on the following page, did the trend, we tried to, come, uh, to just capture brief trends. If you want to expand on any category, if we're wrong in any category, you have some discussion you want to have in those categories then we would like to know more information. Because as we fully develop the list of who are our customers, regulators, resource providers, and competitors, and what are their trends, it will help us outline what the potential future scenarios uh, for us will be. Um, with that, um, we would like you to open it for public comment, take any comment, and then provide us with some direction. Oh, I'm sorry, one other thing. Uh, this will have throughout the uh, strategic planning list. This is our initial list of potential discussion issues for the strategic planning workshop. Now, this is my first um, opportunity with this, with your council with strategic planning. I maintain this list throughout the year. So any time an issue comes up that is not currently on your work plan or currently within your strategic plan, I add to this list. So, so we'll deal with this list in February, but begin the day after our strategic planning workshop, I will start a new list. And you'll see that the following year. So that those issues that are raised either by community members or by yourself don't get lost during the year. And so these are only the things that I've heard you say 
in the uh, almost six months now that I've been here in Indian Wells, that I just, uh, they're only alphabetized, not prioritized. And I ask that as you hear things in the community, you pass them on to me. I will continue to add to this list. And in each of the next three meetings, and again at strategic planning, we'll ask yourself and the community to add to this list. So there's no topic that we haven't at least captured on a, on a potential review list. So with that, sorry about that, uh, we'd ask that you'd open public comment, take any comment on these issues, and then review for me the planning horizon, mission statement, environmental scan, and, and issues, uh, discussion issues list. Thank you. Anybody from the public have any comment at this time? I, this is a relatively new process. It's brand new to uh, our community and to the public here to be asking for your input during the course of the development of the strategic planning process. Um, so while we may not have public comment today, I would encourage the public to give some thought to this. Uh, look at the staff report that's in the agenda um, and the time uh, timeline, the horizon, and so forth is to where we're going to go and what we're going to be doing uh, at our meeting in February and encourage you to have your input um, between now and the time that the council convenes in February at our strategic planning session. Then each council meeting, you will have an opportunity to have input into the strategic planning process. So um, with that, I, I'll bring it back to the council and ask if they have any comments or questions. Mm -hmm. um, I think you did a great job, Wade, uh, and very thorough. It's, a, it's the best I've seen since in the five years that I've been here. My, my only concern as I look at it and it's really not a big concern, but, but the amount of time it's taking to do it, is it, did you give any thought that maybe, is there some way you could compress the amount of time from the time you begin to the time you end? Uh, or you obviously think that's the amount of time required? Well, uh, we were doing a particular work of trying to hit certain council meetings like to make the state of the uh, city, uh, if you're talking about the time once we've done the strategy. What, what I have found um, professionally is that as we give a variety of these opportunities for issues to develop and for uh, discussions, there's quite a bit that we're doing. And so if I cram everything into a single council meeting, sometimes it becomes overload and you don't really get to concentrate on a particular issue. Like the community development issues are very always really interesting. And the finance issues are really interesting. So you don't want to have them in a, in a consistent meeting. So we're really only going to cover three meetings and it gives the community a real great opportunity to meet with their council members. And, and get some real. Well, I think the council today has demonstrated that they don't mind having a lot of council <laughs> meetings. So I was thinking that maybe we could have a couple special meetings instead of having waiting until the next regularly scheduled meeting uh, to bring these issues up. I mean, we could probably have a couple meetings a week over the one month period. It would be good. Thank you, Mr. Hanson. <laughs> Mary, you have some comments yeah. or questions? I do. Um, do you want us, are, are we supposed to give you input now? Um, I, I like the mission statement. Obviously, I worked on it several times, and uh, that's the second or third one that, that uh, we came up with. At any rate, I can't see where uh, I have no input there. On the, uh, in, on, on the environmental scan, uh, scan, however, on your clients and customers, 
Um, what I see lacking here is um, our HOAs. Uh, you've got FAMD down there, but you don't have the HOAs, and you don't have the country clubs. And we tend to ignore that they exist in our community, but they're uh, over 50% of our community, and, and there should be a better tie-in uh, to me. And, and as well as that, the country club security um, somehow uh, uses the services. Uh, they're a client of the city public uh, uh, safety, but there could be better coordination there. And then um, I don't know whether the co-communities belongs there or whether they belong um, under the resource providers. And I would say under resource providers, I'm just wondering about the medical community. You don't have any medical community down there. And I think that um, for everyone who lives in Indian Wells, the medical um, community out here is extremely important. Uh, again, the co-communities and resource providers would be CVAG as well, not only a regulator, but um, their resources more than regulations for us. And then what about things like United Way, Red Cross, those kind of things? So those, in looking at all of it, those would be uh, my input at this point initially. Thank you. We, we lumped the service providers like United Way and those under nonprofits, including service groups. Okay. But we can break those out if they're more, if they're important. If too, uh, as you're thinking about those, if you could provide trends, what the trends you think okay. with the Cove community, medical community, so that we can begin penciling things in and that would be very helpful. Okay. Anybody else have any comments or questions? Concerns? So the recommendation is that we um, adopt the planning horizon, reaffirm the city's mission statement, and provide uh, any direction, uh, just as Mrs. Roach just did, with regard to the environmental scan and uh, preliminary list of the discussion issues. So is there a motion to adopt the planning horizon and reaffirm the mission statement? Motion to adopt. There a second? Second. second. Motion seconded to adopt staff's recommendations. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Great job, Wade. Thank you. Good start. Real good start to yeah, the planning process. And the last meeting, last agenda item, yes. if I can have. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. Mullaney, your, your vote on, your, the, on the last item? Aye. Thank you. <laughs> All right. That concludes B and C then. All right. 8D. Anna, committee recruitment schedule. Yes, good afternoon, Mayor. Good afternoon, Mayor and City Council. Uh, recently, the City Council gave direction to <coughs> staff to move forward the recruitment uh, timeline. Um, the direction was that you want wanted the interviews of the applicants to be completed by uh, March 30th. So what we have done is we have provided to you the schedule, um, or at least our proposed schedule. The application deadline would be now March 12th. We will provide all applications to the council on the 14th. The council will interview on Tuesday, the tw March 25th, and Wednesday, March 26th. And then council will make the appointments at the April 3rd meeting. The appointments will take effect at the regular time, which is July 1. This will give um, the new appointees time to come to a meeting or two and get a little bit familiarized before they jump in. Um, I also provided you the list of who is up 
Um, there are six positions or individuals that are termed out, two on the Planning Commission, two on the ALC, one on the Community Activities, and the uh, Mosquito and Vector Control uh, individual is also termed out. On the Mosquito Control Board, I am also asking for a direction from the City Council as to what they want to do with the timing because that one is on a calendar year basis. So Mr. Uh, Underwood or Dr. Underwood's term does not end until January 2015. If we make the appointment in April, that's a really long time. So would council like not to include that in our annual recruitment and do that in the fall, maybe like October, November? Um, is there a process on that board, though, that you have to get their approval sometime ahead of time? Not that and I am aware of, unless the they change something. Isn't yeah. that the one that once we do it, you cannot, yeah, you cannot it is, change it? it? You cannot change it, but the, we have term limits. So you cannot ter change in the middle of that individual's term. But his term is up. And they, they, the, their board doesn't have to approve the individual that we're putting on them? No. I, I would check that if I, I were you. Yeah, I you would think too. it is? They, I, they think, think, that? I think their board requires problems. a vote of the individual, and they approve the individual. Yeah. In fact, there have been a couple council members in other cities that were, not, were voted off that board mm -hmm. after oh. the council. So it may be appropriate once you find out that information then to look at whether we should go ahead at, at, at during the appointment time or put it off depending on what we need to do there. What I'll do is I'll come back at the next meeting with a report. Specific okay. to this one position. To this right. specific to just Mosquito. Right. I think you're going to find out it's the airport that votes them. I, the Palm Springs them. Airport, I know for a fact, is we make a recommendation and the Palm Springs City Council right. actually appoints them. Yeah. But I will check into the Mosquito. I have not heard that. I, I know they can remove, or they have removed people. They, they the have past, removed. Requires, I thought it required a vote. But I think so. Yeah. Okay. Check it I'll out check. just to make sure. And then I will check. Know exactly and of course, going. not to belabor the point, but the reason we are changing uh, the date on which we do the interviews is so that uh, more residents are here as before the summer hiatus, before people leave town, hopefully, and gives more people an opportunity to participate in the interview process. So um, hopefully we'll get a lot of applications. And with that, uh, any further discussion? No. The recommendation is to provide direction to staff to move forward with the timing as proposed. Is that uh, move to approve? Second. Moved and seconded. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All right, you got it, Anna. And you'll come back with Mosquito. Yes, and if it, is, if it does not require their board approval, I'll just do it under uh, city manager comments. If it does, then I will come back as a, as a general business item. Thank you. This one's Kevin, item 8E, update fiscal policy and procedures manual. Thank you, Honorable Mayor and members of the council. Uh, the city's uh, fiscal procedures manual establishes all of the uh, financial policies and procedures for budgeting, purchasing, and otherwise expending of uh, city funds. Uh, the finance uh, department re um, annually reviews the fiscal procedures manual and makes recommendations. 
Uh, this year we're re recommending that the council make uh, six uh, changes. Um, the finance committee has met and reviewed the modifications and has approved them as we've uh, put them together. What's most exciting probably this year is that the finance department is beginning a brand new employee training class. And that's going to begin here in the next couple of months. And uh, what we're going to do is train all of the employees who touch this manual and make sure that everybody's well aware of all the changes we've implemented. Uh, the first uh, recommendation is to remove outdated uh, guidance and um, re regarding council member benefits that are no longer afforded to council members. The second is since the creation of the brand new employee MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding, uh, the original fiscal procedures manual had language in it providing for medical reimbursements and payroll um, uh, procedures as well. Those have now been transferred over to the MOU. Uh, because the again we removed old language from the budget uh, budget document structure all of this language is still intact it's just been moved into the budget the fourth one is probably the most significant change is we've added a limitation on professional services from uh, agreements to a maximum of five years this is consistent with GFOA standards, Government Finance Officers Association, and it clarifies the requirement for us now to rebid for all professional services with a minimum requirement of three qualified firms. And finally, the fourth is, uh, the fifth, excuse me, is uh, clarifying language in Section 13 of the Employee Computer Purchase Program. Now, for employees who want to participate in that program, the city must purchase their computers directly. It's always been in play, but this is just kind of memorializing uh, that current policy. And finally, we are now uh, adding and amending uh, GASB, implementing GASB 51, which is including intangible assets, how we handle and depreciate intangible assets in our capital assets policy. With that, we recommend that you adopt Resolution Bill Number 2013-66, and approve the policy. I'm available for any questions you have. Questions? Move approval. Second. Moved and seconded to a staff recommendation. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? You got it. Thank you, Good sir. work. Thank you. 9A, uh, successor agency business. Warren, Indian Wells Crossing Retail. Uh, yes, sir. Again, once again, I feel like I've been here all day. Um, this is a, sort of the, essentially the second part of a process for a development of the Indian Wells Crossing project. Uh, as uh, the Housing Authority met earlier, they made a decision to move forward with their, the buyback agreement with the developer and stipulated uh, certain issues or certain follow-up items that we have to do as far as staff. There's a, the second component now is to reassign the rights of the Miles Crossing retail to Excel now to be the developer of the project. So simply this recommendation before you is to, and I'll read it to make sure it's clear, is to um, assign, well, let me get the actual report here. It'll be clearer here. It's for the accessor agency to assign it and assumption agreement of Miles Crossing LLC interest in deposition and development agreement, the DDA, to Excel, 
and then authorize the executive director to execute the agreement. That concludes my presentation. Steve. Uh, Mayor and Council, in your staff report, you have the recommendations which are well presented, but uh, I would recommend tinkering just a little bit. The first of the two recommendations should start with subject to the condition set forth hereafter, comma, and then it goes on successor agency approves the assignment, etc. And then in the second part of the recommended motion, it says authorizes, I would say and directs, by the way, authorizes and directs the executive director, etc. And at the very end, I suggest adding on condition that the executive director first determines that Excel has been deemed to have a satisfactory background check. So the uh, motion could be as simple as uh, to adopt staff's recommendation. That's the recommended motion. Okay. Questions of staff? Comments? I'd just like to make a couple of comments. One regarding Excel. Excel, and I know there some of their developments, they have a proven track record, and I would recommend any resident that wants to look at Excel and understand Excel they should look at SEC documents. They can look at their yearly statement. But this is a company that is very well-heeled, financially more than qualified, and has a proven track record in developing projects like this. And if you want to see one in particular that I'm familiar with, would be the Glendale Entertainment Center in, in Glendale, Arizona. It's a phenomenal, successful project. I think. You know, people talk about some people, and I'm going to address some of the, just a couple of the issues that people have sent emails on. One is, this isn't really a $2.9 million transaction because you've got to take into consideration that there's a lot of fill needed to do that property. There are retaining walls that will have to be put in. And there are other things that make this much more expensive than $2.9 million just to start the project. So I think that's important. I think somebody brought up, and, and obviously Excel does not need the funds, and they're not waiting for the tennis tournament to raise money. I think also that whatever happened seven years ago when this transaction was done in the first place, it's nothing we can deal with. And the foreclosure is, is not something we can really interfere in. Right now, the kind of Fogelson Group has the right to do something prior to the foreclosure date. So that we couldn't do anything if we wanted to do it. And Steve, if I'm out of place, just say so. I think waiting two years, there's no guarantee we would have another developer. And the other side of that coin is we would lose approximately five years of revenue because if we wait two years and then go find somebody, if we did, then you gotta go through planning, you gotta go through building, you gotta get tenants, and you're five or six years out from now, and I just don't happen to personally think that's a, a good thing. I think also we, we need to ask everybody to read the presentations by the, by the city, look up about companies, do your due diligence, and then write. Some, someone wrote in one comment about how, how is the council going to get extra benefits out of this project, but we get no benefits. And there are laws now that are very, very strict on what you can and can't do. So 
what people need to do is do what Andy did. They need to study it. They need to have their opinion. Their opinion needs to be addressed. And then we move forward. But to take shots for the sake of taking a shot really is, is, is unnecessary. And, and personally, I think we're very lucky to have Excel jump into this project. I think Mr. Kiner is lucky to have them jump into this project. And I think this project overall will be great for the city. Because we have competition in other cities next to us who have vacant land or have a box that they're going to want some of the things that these gentlemen are bringing us. So we need to move and be aggressive in, in, in helping them get the project done correctly. Thank you. Other comments? You know, I, I just just as I, I want to reinforce what what Ty said, and I, I agree with what he said. But for for people to send out emails, uh, as as one resident did, and, and suggest that you know uh, who will be on the downstream money flow from the deal? Maybe council members, current and former, and their associates will start a company selling them concrete flooring, construction services, and Hotel partnerships. I mean, that that is so absurd and ridiculous, and so insulting to us uh, here on the council. Uh, it, you know, we 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 may uh, have uh, our differences and disagree and have issues as it comes to, uh, you know, uh, different items as they appear on on the agenda. But to 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 take a shot at us that let's like that is totally uncalled for and just shows you the level of people that we are dealing with who are sending out these kinds of emails. And that's it. Thank you. Any other comments? Is there a motion then to uh, adopt, I suppose, the recommendation of staff as presented by the city attorney? Yes. So moved. Second. Moved and seconded. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Passes unanimously. City manager's report. No report. Council member reports. Mrs. Roach. Christmas is less than a week away. Merry Christmas, everyone. Have happy holidays, great Christmas, and I don't know what we're still doing here when we should be out Christmas shopping. <laughs> There's a clue. Mr. Hanson? Oh, that was it? <laughs> no report. No report. Mr. <laughs> Mullen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the committees that I, that I set on RCTC, and we just had a huge groundbreaking ceremony up at, uh, at Riverside for the 91 freeway. And uh, that, that's really for people who have to travel between uh, the desert or who do travel between the desert and, and the coast. Once that project, after a few years, is just going to be, they're really going to love what is going to be taking place on uh, 91. Secondly, you know, we have a new city I mean, general manager over at Sunline, Lauren Shriver. If you ever, if you get a chance, uh, meet her. This woman is phenomenal. I mean, the, the, the transformation that is taking place at Sunline is just unbelievable. That She's bringing the employees together this morning. Uh, she got up at 4 o'clock this morning. She's out serving breakfast to the bus drivers. Uh, they're having uh, an event tomorrow over there, just, just doing a, a great job. And so uh, our hats are off to Lauren. Uh, but on a personal note, uh, 
and, and, and something that, that came up earlier today uh, that's been talked about, uh, I guess Dana Reed brought it up uh, in, his, in his comment section about, uh, about the event uh, on January the 21st. You know, I, I, uh, I obviously I, I agree with his position on the issue. I, I think that, uh, that we've demonstrated uh, in the past that uh, we believe that all the residents, uh, regardless of what their property owner status is, should be able to attend these functions. Uh, I, I also believe that, that when, when we start thinking about charging, uh, that, that the committees uh, implement uh, things in, 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 in their committees to charge residents to attend functions. I think, I think that should come before the city council, and the city council should have a vote on what uh, is what, how these events are being managed, and the charges that that uh, that are going to be incurred for our residents. Uh, and with that, uh, I, I mean, I think we ought to agendize at our next meeting that, that event for, uh, for January, let the council decide whether or not there should be a charge, and, and the restriction of the number of people. I mean, clearly, um, the more people that we can bring to the, to the pavilion, we should. I mean, it is a showpiece, and to restrict the attendance, uh, clearly, they had 800 people over there for their media opening, which was not a residential opening. It was a media for the media. Well, some residents got to attend. It was primarily a sales and marketing event for the thing. This would be the first time that the residents as a whole would have the opportunity to come to that. And I think we ought to think about getting as many people to that venue as we possibly can. It is a, an excellent venue. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. And again, have a Merry Christmas, everyone, and a Happy New Year. Mr. Mulaney. Uh, I don't really have any committees to report on, but uh, I, I'd like to congratulate our new mayor on, on running a, a very smooth meeting today, especially in the area of the council members picking committees. He prepared hard for it, and uh, he took that very complex you know, effort and within 24 minutes, the five uh, people up here all selected their committees and are all very, very happy. And, you know, we're going to go home, uh, all looking forward to spending a great holiday in this great city. You know, the more you look around this city and the more you appreciate the beauty of it, it's unbelievable. And it's an awful lot of people on staff that in quiet ways are taking care of flowers that are kind of being frosted, so to speak, on the cold nights. Uh, we heard about the golf course. Uh, the golf committee had an opportunity to go out there this week and take a look at the agricultural growth that's out there and, and the people that are doing it without much fanfare. And honestly, uh, you know, our course, or both courses, uh, would match any course, I think, in the United States. That's how beautiful they are. But my point, my summary point, is let's not take where we are for granted. And let's all have a very merry and blessed Christmas. And I am looking forward to the end of 2013 
and anticipating 2014 uh, with great joy. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Mr. Peabody. Well, Patrick took everything I was going to say, so I will, <laughs> I will second Patrick's motion. Thank you. And I will uh, have no commission or committee reports other than to offer my personal uh, wishes for a very Merry Christmas to everybody and a very happy and healthy and great 2014. With that, Mr. City Attorney. Thank you, Mayor and Council members. The City Council, the successor agency and the Housing Authority met in uh, a special meeting this morning at 10 a.m. Part of that meeting was a closed session. The City Council considered in closed session items 5A through E. Item D pertained to a potential claim against the city regarding a certain conditional use permit situation regarding construction of a driveway project. No reportable action was taken. The successor agency met in closed session to consider item 6A. No reportable action was taken. The Housing Authority met in closed session to consider item 7A. No reportable action was taken. There's no need for any additional closed session today. Thank you. And with that, we will adjourn to a regularly scheduled meeting of the City Council to be held 1.30 p.m. on January 16, 2014. Thanks. And again, a very Merry Christmas to my fellow council members as well. Thank you. <laughs>